0: Special thanks to our promotional partners at the American Philatelic Society.
1: The APS is the largest stamp collecting organization in the world, supporting collectors of any level worldwide.
0: For more information about membership and APS services, visit stamps.org. I'm Charles Epting from HR Harmer in New York City. And I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. Now, in the U.S., we're used to Stamp news. That's our go-to. Yes. That's our regular publication. Up north of the border... They've mm-hmm. got Canadian Stamp News, which yeah. is um, sort of their analog, their equivalent um, uh, stamp publication, which uh, we are, I'm really excited, going to be talking to the editor of yeah. uh, Canadian Stamp News today.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because we've uh, we've spoken with Matt
0: Hill across we, the pond. Exactly. Uh, we talked to Wayne Youngblood here in the States, who does yeah. all of our, in uh, you know, a lot of the American publications. So, so this will be a new perspective from a different yeah. country on... Um, on on philatelic uh magazines i think that's a great point i didn't even think about yeah it's always nice to get those coverage. uh
1: differences on on how the how different countries look at philately and collecting and how they deliver news because I, I feel like every single publication i read has a different take on what news should they should be reporting and and we've
0: looked yeah. at Auction houses through the lenses of different countries. We've yeah. talked to dealers from different countries, collectors yeah. from different countries, and again, that that journalistic part is a, um, uh, it's, a it's an important piece of the puzzle. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. That um, I'm curious how they do things similarly and differently uh, up in Canada. So uh, I, I think we even forgot to mention his name. We're going to be talking to Jesse Robitaille, yes, uh, who again is the uh, editor of Canadian Stamp News and Canadian Coin News. I think, but uh, th- this is a really exciting one. I think this one's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, let's bring him in. Absolutely. Hi. Hey, Jesse. Hey, how you doing, Charles? Good. How about yourself? <laughs> Pretty well. Thanks. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. Pleasure's all mine. Awesome. So to, to kick things off, we usually just start with um, sort of a, a crash course in your background, how you got to where you are, your own history with the hobby. Um, just sort of uh, get us up to speed on on how you, um, uh, again, assumed your role with, uh, with Canadian Stamp News.
2: Sure thing. Um, so I guess it's been a shorter, um, but uh, understandably, wild ride. Um, so I, I started um, in February 2015 um, in in philately as well as numismatics, um, our parent company, Trajan Publishing, we publish Canadian stamp news as well as Canadian coin news. Um, but uh, before that, before February 2015, I uh, knew very little of the hobbies, um, didn't even know the word philately um, or numismatics to be fair. Um, So it was a steep learning curve, but uh, I um, was fresh out of uh, journalism school and one of my former teachers uh, found a job posting and she suggested I apply. Um, I applied within a few months of getting out of school and uh, luckily got the job and it was with Trajan and Canadian Stamp News and uh, I've been there ever since.
0: Going from sort of zero to 60, not really realizing how passionate or crazy stamp collectors might be. Uh, What was that like for you coming from a purely journalistic background and having to learn the lingo and the personalities and sort of the flow of the hobby? Uh, What were your initial impressions, again, being a total outsider coming into this, uh, you know, professionally?
2: So uh, being a total outsider, indeed, uh, my first impression was um, how incredibly deep the hobby is. and it was, uh, as I mentioned, a steep learning curve. I'd say it was a, It took about a year until I could wrap my head around everything uh, collectors and dealers and auctioneers were actually talking about. Um, and since then, it's just kept growing and growing. Um, I don't know about in, in the States, but it's a really close-knit community in Canada. And, um, and I've heard it's the same elsewhere. But everyone's been uh, nothing but extremely helpful and uh, guiding me and kind of mentoring me in a way. Um, although it's different than it would be with uh, dealer to collector um, compared to like collector to journalist or or dealer to journalist. But uh, they're mentors nonetheless, um, or I would consider them. So, Um, But yeah, first impression was uh, there's a lot here. There's a lot to learn. um, And these people, uh, they're colorful characters, and they're very passionate about their hobbies. Um, It's something that they seemingly take more serious than uh, most people take their jobs. And it's something, as a, as a journalist, uh, my focus, speaking personally as a journalist, my focus is uh, telling people stories. I just love finding people's stories and, and telling them. Um, and with this hobby, it's, it's endless. It's been more than half a decade now and uh, not even close to running out of ideas.
1: So where did you really start when you were thrown into it kind of immediately? Where did you start looking to for your information? Did you read old issues of the magazine or... Or what did you start looking for to gain kind of knowledge?
2: Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a pretty big print guy. So I love going through our archives. We have um, a fairly substantial digital archive. Um, mm. But our print archive goes back to the beginning, 1976, when CSN was formed. Um, so I love going through the archives. We have bound copies of each edition. And yeah, I'll go through and I'll look for um, whether it's confirming facts or trying to find a different angle or a lead on a story or something that may have been forgotten. Um, definitely, our archives are, a, are are a source for me. Um, I'm on our archives daily, for sure in my wow. work, just trying to f- to f- find some other some old reference or or uh, some old source or something like that. But um, old guides as well, old catalogs and uh, handbooks are incredibly useful again for for sources or for comments um, or quotes to pull from. Um, and when I was learning there there is a ton of information online as well, as I'm sure both of you are aware. Um I've found found very quickly actually that some of that information is incorrect as uh, some of the information online tends to be. Um, and so that's where finding those sources, those those prominent collectors or dealers and people that actually know what they're talking about uh, to confirm that information. But uh, yeah, the sources are endless. I mean, there's you can go to so many people and it doesn't matter what you're talking about. It could be the most niche collecting area. Um, you can always find a person or two to. To talk to that really, really knows what they're talking about and seems to to understand it like they've written the book on it, and sometimes they they actually have.
0: You talk about being a big print guy, which obviously helps in a hobby like this that is so tactile. Um, but you know, the the journalistic world in general has been shifting more and more online. Obviously, so how do you balance this when you've got this hobby that is um, you can never fully separate from the the tactile and the the tangible um you know what? what is your philosophy regarding the future of print philatelic media versus the future of digital philatelic media um again balancing those who want to hold something in their hands versus those who want to read something on their ipad what is your sort of um uh, outlook for the future of um again philatelic media specifically
2: as far as the balance goes i think it's pretty straightforward um and as you mentioned it's a tangible hobby and and uh as collectors we like stuff we like cool stuff and we like having it and holding it it's not uh so interesting to have say even its digital counterpart uh, an nft or a non-fungible token um but more to your point that uh, kind of balance between print and digital i think um, obviously it's going to go digital um regardless whether it's flatly or, or whether it's just general community news um, or major international news it's all trending towards digital um heavily but i don't think print will ever get replaced it'll kind of be like vinyl records maybe if i have to put a prediction on it something like vinyl it'll be a cool thing to have a cool um handy complement something you can hold in your hand that is um to what's available digitally but uh but yeah nothing really beats print in terms of that tangible thing i love having like old guides and old uh old newspapers and stuff i got a bookshelf full of them here
1: do you mind giving us a brief kind of history of canadian stamp news
2: Sure, sure. So we, um, this June, actually June 3rd was our um, 45th anniversary. So fairly substantial milestone for us. And we celebrated um, pretty extravagantly or as, as much as you can do during the pandemic. But we yeah. uh, we published a full um, anniversary issue and we put out some limited edition collectibles and such. So um, the story's top of mind. Um, so we were Founded in 1963, um, as Canada Coin News, and it was founded by a Wisconsin guy named Chet uh, Krause. Um, and it was in, based in Wisconsin, printed there and everything for the first few months, but pretty quickly moved um, north to Canada. Um, a resident editor from Toronto took the reins and he handled it for the next de- decade or so, sorry. Um, and through the early 70s, um, stamp collecting was picking up, along with antiques. So the publisher at the time decided to throw some flattery into the mix and some antiquing into the mix. And uh, eventually the newspaper was rebranded as Coin, Stamp, and Antique News. Um, And then by 76, they decided to split them into two separate publications, dropping antiques and uh, just going with Canadian Stamp News and Canadian Coin News, as as it's now known. yeah, so since 76, we've basically been doing the same thing, but uh, as we were talking a bit earlier with some digital uh, digital stuff added in. Um, but yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> auction reports, dealer commentary, collector commentary, um, breaking news, things like that. And uh, as again, both of you know, there's lots, of, lots of breaking news in the hobby.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask briefly about that because you mentioned that you kind of dived back into the old archives and everything, has the direction of Canadian Stamp News
2: changed over the past f- 45 years? Um, aside from, again, adding like a digital counterpart and going yeah. in that direction um, to complement what we do in print, uh, the mission has stayed largely the same, just to tell collectors stories and to, to keep our our finger on the pulse of the hobby and relay that to, to the community. Mm-hmm. But no, it's, it's stayed largely the same. Uh, again, reporting on auctions and uh, new discoveries um, commentary and in, in getting down to the, the nitty-gritty. I like to, to call CSN Canada's philatelic paper record um, as we try and get everything that we can um, printed for posterity.
0: How much have you been bitten by the bug in your six or so years since you joined? Do you, you know, what has jumped out at you personally? What do you, uh, you know, do you find yourself collecting? Do you find yourself, um, you know, ever uh, you know, coming across a story or a stamp or something and just being really taken by it?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. So I, um, I got into it fairly quickly, um, understanding I'd need to uh, kind of get my hands dirty to really understand what everyone's talking about. Um, and so that was kind of my approach to begin with. Um, and I guess it kind of stayed the same for about the first five or so years, but just recently I've started taking it a bit more seriously and honing in on what I like, especially, um, which would be postal history, specifically 19th and 20th century covers. Um, and lately, um, so originally the first kind of thing I honed in on was um, political philately. Um, so um, one of the pieces I have that I that is a really interesting story. Um, um, it just captures a, a Canadian a moment in Canadian political history. So it was 1984, and uh, the Liberals lost what was then the biggest landslide um, election in our history. Um, they lost to the Conservatives. Conservatives went in, and uh, so I have a, a cover and contents um, which I especially enjoy from. A liberal employee looking for a new job and he wrote he sent his resume so I've got his resume I've got his uh, CV and I've got his cover letter as well as the cover um, sent to an old um, employer I think it was a radio DJ Um, and so that kind of history in your hands even though it's not um, he was just like a PR guy for the liberals he wasn't uh, the prime minister or or anyone like that but it still really does offer a snapshot in time in in Canadian politics because it talks about Um, that election it talks about the liberals goal at the time um it it talked about some of the skills he had which is uh alien to to what we know now um 30 years down the line um so it's incredibly interesting and i love that stuff and and actually um on the philatelic side or the postal history side it it was actually um undeliverable the cover because the the guy the guy's address was uh he didn't live there anymore so it's got that stamp on it and it's got a So there's a bit of of routes and and, uh, such there. Um, But every day when I'm writing, there's
0: something that I find is just so,
2: so interesting.
0: Fantastic. So Canadian philately um, is kind of an exciting, um, in an exciting position right now with the big show coming up next year, which is a a real milestone in, um, you know, the last capex, I was, I think, four years old. So yeah, yeah, this is a big deal for people. This is... Um, uh, this is something that I'm sure, uh, you know, a lot of the country is looking forward to and, and gearing up for, um, you know, and, so and, it, and you guys of are a- official sponsors now, too.
2: Yes. Yeah. One of, one of several now, but, uh, yeah, Canadian flatly is hot and things are yeah, looking
0: so good. I was going to say, what is the, what is the mood like leading up to the show? We're a little less than a year out now. And, and, and what is your presence at the show going to be like, how do you use something like this to, um, uh, you know, maybe expand your reach or, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of great stories to can have it. What are you uh, looking forward to, um, you know, in the, in the next 11 months or so?
2: Yeah. So, heading into it out of this pandemic is a bit strange. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell um, exactly how it's gonna go down, but it's, it's gonna be great. Um, I anticipate the pandemic will be uh, far behind us in terms of uh, the restrictions and things like that. By that point, it'll be June uh, 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's a, I think it's a watershed moment for Canadian philately. Um, it's had its ups and downs through, like in America as well, um, through the last four decades or since we've been formed. Um, I've, again, going through the, the back issues um, read stories about like the ups and downs like the boom in the 70s and then the decline through the 80s and 90s and, uh, and a resurgence lately, um, in fact, and it kind of ties into that point about CAPEX and I think collectors in, in Canada and, and abroad are excited to see Canada host another international show and uh, for CSN we'll be all over it we will be there all weekend and it's going to be a, um, yeah, a, a huge one. It, it doesn't matter if it's a really a little show or a big convention or, or something major like uh, capex um there are a, if there are a, a couple of collectors there there's a dozen stories you can pull from them yeah. but yeah, yeah for, saw, Ka- oh, for capex it's it's going to be huge it's going to be the biggest thing for a canadian flatly in a, a long time
1: yeah i saw on um canadian stamp news website there's a whole section for events where you just list all of the events going on and people can just add their own events mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so what's the is there a sort of a A bar there or does it have to be a sponsored event or can anyone just add any sort of stamp event in Canada
2: yeah anyone can add any sort of stamp event um, outside of things like auctions or sales unless it's a a show with an auction that's fine but if it's just an auction uh, we try to stay away from promoting just individual auctions Mm -hmm. Um, but outside of that if it's a show um, if it's a stamp show, if have anything to do with stamps or postal history or postcards, um, anywhere in the world, really, we welcome the uh, event listing. Uh, and yeah, you can submit them on the website or you can email me, reporter at trajan.ca, if anyone's interested in chatting ever. Um, yeah, we like to keep a pretty extensive um, event listing. And each year, except for last year and uh, this year, I suppose, since 2019, we've, we publish a combined coin and stamp um, calendar. And it goes through the year much like a regular calendar with all the shows listed and uh contact details and st- stuff like that
0: a big you know obviously the collectors and uh you know the exhibitors and and the dealers you've got that side of things but there's also new issues coming out and canada has some of the more attractive new issues i would say of of anywhere in the world i think that um canada post is done a good job of, um, you know, retaining some artistic integrity. What is your relationship like with them? And, uh, you know, do you find that your readers are just interested in sort of the the highbrow flatly, the high-end stuff, or is there still interest in new issues? What's coming, um, you know, from, from uh, Canada Post these days? So
2: CSN has a really strong relationship with Canada Post. Um, since our formation, we've been uh, really tight with the the top brass there and uh work together to just for the better of philately really um but uh, recently they did they did actually help us with our limited edition um cover so one of the the collectibles we we created and issued for our 45th anniversary was uh, first day cover um and canada post created the postmark the act, an actual postmarking device and uh provided that to us to to cancel all of the covers um we franked it with a picture postage stance which which um I'm not sure. The U.S. canceled their we got customizable rid of our... stamp program. Yep. Yeah, but it's uh, custom stamps that anyone can create, basically within limits. But uh, but yeah, they've been a um, a great support and a great partner for us. And speaking of the new issues, yeah, it's um, they've been well received, especially this year. Um, the designs collectors have been very positive about them. Um, but for last year's stamp program for 2020, we actually just finished wrapping up uh, a stamp survey. And so we did a just an online um, non-scientific survey about uh, collectors' beliefs, like uh, their, their favorite looking stamp and their their least favorite looking stamp, the most relevant issue and such. Um, and the responses, again, were, were overwhelmingly positive. Um, people like the designs, they like the subjects. Um, and I think they're, they're liking them more so in, in recent years. I think Canada Post is really honing in on subjects that collectors want to see, as well as the general public, because some of the... Some of the issues like Star Trek, which collectors might not want to see, um, the general public really, really does want to see, and they, they sell accordingly. Um, and yeah, so it's so back to your question about uh, what our readers enjoy, um, it's it's an, an entire range. They run the gamut of interest from that highbrow flattery you're talking about, the stuff that uh, most collectors will never even be able to afford um, or even see in most cases, um, straight through to new issues, the stamps that just came out. There's huge interest for for new issues and there's, there's big interest actually for picture postage. So those uh, customizable stamps that collectors um, order from Canada Post, they print and uh, send them out to the collector. Um, those are loosely cataloged. It's hard to keep a handle on them because Canada Post can't tell people for privacy reasons um, what was created. But collectors do a pretty good job of, uh, especially in recent years, keeping a handle on what's been issued there. And it's, uh, again, just a, another huge area that collectors have, have honed in on.
1: Yeah, I wanted to touch upon that a little because I saw an article on uh, on Canada Stamp News talking about this one specific philatelist who'd issued uh, two hundred different customizable a- a- picture post stamps since two thousand three, and you'd kept track of it, and we're keeping track of his latest issues. I've never seen anything kind of like that in the states here or any anything else like that. So is there do people collect his privately-issued stamps that he's customized, or...?
2: Certainly, for sure. Yeah, people collect his stuff, people collect um, everyone's stuff. There's a few prolific issuers of picture postage, um, and Peter Leppold, he's a the yeah. Kelowna BC collector, he's uh, one of one of a few that, that does that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, with his help, he he tracks his stuff, so we were able to, to relay that and report on that. Um, but again, okay. most, most people who are ordering those stamps um, are doing it for weddings or invitations or, or fun mail and things like that and aren't necessarily collectors. So they kind of get uh, lost, lost by the wayside. But with collectors like Peter, it's easy to keep a, keep a handle on it. There's actually a website. I believe the woman's name is Darlene Burt, and uh, she tracks picture postage stamps um pretty extensively as well and her name is Darlene Burt wow um, yeah and her website I'm just taking a look now picturepostage.net if anyone wants to take a look interesting yeah, it's kind of okay. like an online catalog and again so that's uh, one of many resources out there um Canadian flat might be a small close-knit community as I was saying but they do a good job in publishing their material
1: because hmm. correct me if I'm wrong Charles the U.S post office just usps just shut down our yep. side of that you can't make any more customized. no the photo stamps, stamps are all stamp. done
0: yeah that um that was a, a fairly long-lived experiment i would say we tried yeah. it for a while um but yeah i know a lot of european countries do it as well i don't know if it was a security issue or a cost issue why we um why we shut it down but uh yeah that's it's neat that that's got such an active yeah. base uh mm-hmm. in canada
2: well what i hear from collectors in canada at least is that uh what they call do-it-yourself flatley is actually um, pretty prominent in in the United States, and uh, collectors um, kind of pursue that through their own covers, uh, like creating their first day covers and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Cache makers um, and the the AFDCS things like that. Like we don't have a first day cover society in Canada, oh, um, gotcha. Although we do have a lot of tons of first day cover collectors, right. Um but from what I've heard from Canadian collectors, that DIY flatly is uh, bigger bigger in the States in that sense. But yeah, picture postage and things like that are picking up here. And uh, actually, there's one guy in Toronto who is—he um, just applied for a mailers postmark. I'm not sure if you, you guys are aware of that, but mm-hmm. it, it essentially, it's a US program and it allows um, private companies to postmark their own mail. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can get sent USPS postmarks um, if they apply through the proper channels and such. And so he did that, and we, we covered that in a story as well. And. Um, and a few other collectors are bringing that sort of uh, do-it-yourself aspect to to the canadian hobby and i I find that really interesting i like
0: that it seems like every country has one or two major publications that are you know mass market general interest you we've got lynn's here in the states you guys um we've talked to uh matt hill over in the uk with with stamp collector and all you know continental europe it seems like each country has their publication do you work much with other Um, uh, you know, magazines and newspapers from around the world that, you know, because obviously your focus is is honed in on Canada, but I'm sure there's a lot of overlap in your goals and your interests and whatnot. So do you work with other philatelic publications um, in different countries, whether it's sharing content or, um, uh, you know, a a joint article, something that maybe two different markets might enjoy? What is, you know, uh, how have you sort of reached out to the wider philatelic journalistic community?
2: Um, So, yes, the... There is a broad Filtile community across the world with with all these different um, publications and, and magazines and such just focused on the hobby. And uh, we um, are totally open to, to partnering with people um, and other publications. We've done it in a, in a limited fashion though. Um, I know just one recent example is uh, working with um, Jay Bigalki from LINZ. Um, when COVID first started, we wanted to get a handle on which events were canceled um, and it was changing hourly. Um, and it was the same situation in the States, except um, you have, I don't know, 10 or a dozen times as many shows as we have. Um, and so rather than going through it all myself for ourselves at CSN, we contacted Jay and uh, just did a mutual thing where um, we said, check out the Lynn's website for an updated list of canceled U.S. shows and they did the same for CSN. And uh, yeah, totally open to that kind of thing because we all can't be everywhere at once. And, and like you said, we focus on Canada um, although we do, if something big happens in U.S. philately, we'll definitely cover it. Um, and it's the same for Linz. Focus on U.S. philately, but there's uh, there's a lot happening in the world, and it, it sometimes deserves recognition there, too. So how many
1: people are on the philately side of the publication?
2: we uh, Working at, yeah, at CSN. At CSN. Okay, so um, very few, very few people. We're a small office, um, basically full-time. Um, I'm the only editorial staff. Um, we have one other person on staff doing design and layout um, and advertising as well. And then we have a few um, administrative staff. Um other than that, on the CSN side, we have about a dozen rotating columnists, and they'll write uh, can get maybe four or five of them in each issue of CSN on a rotating basis. Um, and they've each got their their own columns and their own focus. Um, some of them are fairly long running and uh, they're very popular. and it's kind of a way we can touch into different areas of the hobby without, uh, necessarily having to cover them in each issue. So Del Teology or Postcards, for example, we have um, a Del Teology column in almost every issue. Um, and then another, another column from a long uh, running CSN columnist, Ian Robertson, um, he's been writing his Looking Back column for many, many years, and it just looks back at uh, past Canadian issues on their anniversary year. So a uh, Canadian stamp or Canadian set from 25 years ago, um, and he'll, he'll dive right into it with some really good journalism.
1: So uh, very similar to the stamp collector magazine in, in in the UK, that's kind of the same tactic they take.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, and I, I um, was able to catch up with Matt at the virtual StampEx. Quickly, we spoke briefly, and we did uh, we did speak about uh, catching up a little bit after. Um, so yeah, doors always open for that sort of thing. Partnerships are huge in the hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a place for competition, um, but there's a line and and such, and uh, yeah. yeah, partnerships make it everyone stronger and it's all, all for the better.
0: You know, we, we I, talk, I asked you earlier about the shift to digital, um, you know, assuming there's gonna be this balance moving forward, the print and the digital, what are your hopes for the future of, of Canadian Stamp News? What, are, you know, where would you like to see it go? Are there any subjects you think are underrepresented, anything you'd like to see covered? Um, you know, and any, you know, again, what are you looking out five, 10 years from now? Um, you know where do you see this magazine fitting into the hobby as it continues to grow and evolve? what do you think um you know you, again if you if you had a blank check to to take the magazine any direction you wanted, what would you want to see
2: well uh off the top i would i'd want to see digital or sorry print continue um, basically at all costs um but yeah it's something I'd like to see continue decades down the line um with that being said the the focus uh, should be digital and should be Social media, I think, is uh, one huge area for growth for CSN and for the hobby um, alike. Um, if you can get on social media and connect with those people, um, collectors in that habitat, um, it's it'll be good for your publication or for your podcast or for whatever you're doing, uh, really. And there are a lot of collectors on social media, and it's an area that's surely only going to grow. Um, yeah, future of the publication, just continuing to integrate ourselves with the community and, and just like it's been since 76 is kind of more the same and uh doubling down on our mission to to just tell collector stories
0: this is a question i hate getting so i'm going to try and phrase it in a slightly <laughs> different way i don't want to ask you have any of your friends become interested or how do you appeal to young people? But, you know, Michael, Michael sort of was uh, I don't want to say born into the hobby, but, uh, you know, but he followed in his his family's footsteps. Um, I don't think it was much of a shock to my friends or family when I started collecting stamps because I collected <laughs> everything old and weird growing up. But you, ha- you again, as I said earlier, you went from zero to 60. What was the response like from people around you? Um, did it pique anyone's interest? Have you had any friends who? To hear about what you do and are interested, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you how do we get young people involved? Cause that's all Michael and I hear. And, and again, I know there's no easy answer, but for you personally, has, has this career path in your life, um, you know, uh, opened anyone's eyes or even just, you know, wh- what's the sort of response that you get from people?
2: Yeah. The, the response is again, overwhelmingly positive. I'd say my friends and family, they're all super interested in it. Uh, um, albeit a bit, um, Confused at first as to what I actually do or, or um, how that how I can write about this every day, um, but yeah, there's a. I just tell them that there's a little economy around stamp collecting and that it's big enough to allow journal a full time journalist to to write about it every day, basically. Um, but yeah, they're kind of astonished and interested, and uh, it piques their curiosity for sure when I start telling them about some of the more interesting stories um, in stamps, like the errors or just the colorful characters. Um, and it's, yeah, it's something I don't know if anyone's really pursued in earnest since I've started talking to them about it, but they at least listen to me while I'm talking about it and uh, and they're interested. And I think um, kind of tying into that point about how to interest young collectors or anyone really in general, um, I think it's that history and it's it, it are the, the, those stories. Um, and that, again, it's kind of what I focus on is telling those stories and not necessarily getting too deep into the philatelic weeds, um, although there's a time for that. But uh there's also our other publications for that. so like the Canadian Philatelist is a really a peer re, peer-reviewed journal and that would be the, the space for that. But for CSN, we want to tell those stories in, in the most engaging way possible and get people interested in them and, in those stories. And that's kind of what I try to put across when I'm talking to people about uh,
0: what I do. Do you have a go-to story? Is there something you've written over the last couple of years that's your um, you know sort of your uh, philatelic pickup line, I guess?
2: On the stamp side it would have to be probably the inverted seaway it's a good story including how it was uh found by the winnipeg boy and then sold to the the dealer um stories like that are always um they can you can grab people with them um it's the same thing with the one cent magenta it's really super simple story for people to grab onto um and understand what's going on and why it's so interesting and, and why it's so collectible and valuable um and yeah, there's I think there's a appeal there for sure so where can people get Canada stamp news so you can subscribe um, a, you can subscribe online you can give us a call in the office um, or shoot us an email even it's it's pretty accessible canadianstampnews.com or .ca slash subscribe and
1: that's um, to get both the print or the, the digital are they in um, kind of newspaper stands as well, or is it all subscription-based?
2: Um, it is not all subscription-based. So you can get them at uh, a few outlets across Canada, um, the biggest mm-hmm. one being Chapters Indigo. Um, but I don't think they're available in, in the United States. But right. yeah, you can give, give us a call, or shoot us an email, or uh, fill out the online form, and you could subscribe for print or digital or both. Mm-hmm.
0: And and if somebody has a U.S. Uh, focus but maybe dabbles in Canadian stamps, sort of, what's your uh, elevator pitch? If you know, obviously, if you're in Canada, it makes sense. This is your go-to hometown publication. But for somebody who maybe only dabbles in Canada or has a passing interest in Canada, why Canadian Stamp News? What's your uh, again? What's your sales pitch?
2: Well, we do have um, quite a few U.S. readers, and I always um, tell them the same thing, or tell anyone from from the United States interested in subscribing. Um, that the hobbies are so closely related in Canada and the United States uh, and that goes back through history of course and um, one of the biggest things I'd say that ties us together through that history is um, British North America and it's an international group but there's a very big following in Canada the British North America Philatelic Society and um, they're always dealing with cross-border philately Um, and so we do cover it quite a bit. Again, we don't really get into the weeds with the U.S. stuff, but the, the content is there. And if at any time readers have anything they're interested in, they just have to reach out and give me a, give me a shout and we can talk about the, the story for sure. I'm all ears for things like that.
0: Fantastic. Well, I, As soon as we're able to connect, uh, again, as soon as that border opens up, we'd love to see whether it's in Canada next year or anytime you're down in the U.S. for a show. We'd love to, uh, um, you know, we uh, do, do you, you attend U.S. shows often?
2: Um, no, I don't. I haven't been to a U.S. show yet. I really wanted oh. to go to New York 2016 um, and was thinking about it, but my boss ended up going alone. Um, so I missed out on that one, kind of regretting it, looking forward to 2026. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, likewise, guys, I, I'd love to see you at a show, either Capex or in the States. Um, once the border opens, I'll definitely be going down. Um, yeah
0: no we, we should do that and you know we're, yeah. we're planning on visiting chris green up in canada michael yes. and i should put together a little uh canadian uh road trip of uh of philatelic destinations so we'll uh, again as soon as we're able to it would be great to connect in person and uh and and do whatever we can to help support canadian stamp news we um you know it, it, it's I, I think every country needs that publication that again mass market general mm-hmm. interest um you know of course we're going to have the the bean apps journal for example is is great but it caters to a certain certain caliber person and quite often goes way over my head so i think that a, a publication like csn is is really important and again michael and i would love to do whatever we can to um uh, connect in person support the magazine and uh just you know um really appreciate you taking the time to join us
2: yeah, likewise thanks for having us guys and the uh, csn appreciates the support and i appreciate you having me on absolutely well thank you so much pleasure's all mine
0: thanks Michael, that was fantastic. I uh, I really into- enjoyed talking to Jesse. I love somebody in our uh, you know demographic, our age range, who yeah. has also made this jump into full time professional philately. You know, there mm-hmm. there are a lot of junk collectors, a lot of people our age, uh, but relatively few who commit their lives to the hobby. And it's Correct. fun getting to know a new one. It's fun, uh, you know. Again, getting to talk to somebody who his journey might not be the same as ours. He just. Mm-hmm he was a journalist he jumped into it um, but we all got to the same place we're all uh, you yeah. know we're on the same boat so that that's fun to get to to get to know someone like that
1: yeah well I think it's it I think it's a great idea to bring in these people who aren't necessarily involved in the hobby to put them in professional roles in the hobby it gives them an an outsider's perspective on what we care about so so dearly I mean I know I know Places, I know I mention them all the time, like the Spelman Museum are looking for a curator from Tufts University who have a curatorial program. They're trying to bring in someone who isn't a philatelist to create their philatelic displays and their exhibits and and teach them how to do something like that. So bringing in someone like that who's a professional journalist to report on philatelic news and teaching him
0: philately is just and i think it's a right. lot easier to teach philately to a journalist than it is to teach journalism to a philatelist if that makes <laughs> yeah. sense i think it's, i think you need yeah, a journalistic exactly background yeah and then you can learn the ins and outs of the hobby yeah versus you're right sometimes you know the hobby can think too small yeah. Yeah. and just look amongst ourselves for people to fill all of these roles yeah when again, jesse's proof that you can bring somebody from outside in He's doing a great job with the magazine. I yeah. uh, I, I think that was a, a really, a really fun chat. It was a home run, yeah. And, and before we wrap things up, I, we do want to mention that Jesse is doing a APS stamp chat. Yes, Um October On 1st. the history of philatelic journalism. Exactly, October 1st. Uh, so we'll put details in the description and everything, and, and obviously we'll promote it on Twitter and whatnot of between now and then. But um, but yeah, Jesse, history, philatelic journalism, October first, APS stamp chat. You and I will definitely be there, yeah. and uh, hopefully some of our listeners as well.
1: Yeah, we'll put links to absolutely everything. Where how to subscribe? Um, they've got a Twitter account, just their website, everything uh, in the show notes. I always love talking to these publications, and I and I hope we can get to talk to more from from other places other publications other magazines everything.
0: absolutely there's so many others out there we've got matt we've got jesse well, yeah. we'll I, th- I think this is a part of the hobby and we need to shed light on and and hopefully yeah. drum up a couple of subscriptions as well
1: yeah absolutely i know that there's been a number of people who have subscribed to the publications that we've already talked to and they're absolutely loving the
0: i saw the we content. even got a new classic society member on twitter the other day i'm very yeah. happy that bob <laughs> Uh Bob uh Hope. joined the the USPCS. Yes, Bob Hole is Hole. Uh, is a Bob Hole is a classic society member now. So that made me uh, really happy that he even tagged me in the uh in the in the tweet announcing it. So that yeah. I thought that was cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, Anything we can do to help share with people, I see comments on our things talking to people and they're like, I didn't know about that before. I didn't know about this before. We got one from last week. Mark from Hipstamp, um did someone commented saying they'd never
0: heard about and then we're gonna go before. buy stuff on Hipstamp all of a sudden yeah, i thought that yeah, was awesome i signed up for Hipstamp. <laughs> now i don't mean to cut you off michael you didn't but don't you have some packing to do for uh yeah for westex we're we're, two we're filming days this out on now. tuesday we leave on thursday i can't believe it we're gonna yeah. uh we're gonna get to hang out three thousand miles away from here <laughs>
1: Yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking
0: forward and, to... And the best part is by the time anybody watches this, Westpex will be over. So this is completely irrelevant. <laughs> um, so I don't even know why I brought it up, but yeah. I, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm going to start packing tonight. And uh, and and um, hopefully by the time people listen to this, we'll have had a good, successful Westpex. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I really uh, I really hope so. We've, we're going to do our live stream on Friday. Hopefully we're going to get to talk to a couple people at the we're gonna, of of is, all, we gonna do our live stream last <laughs> Friday.
0: We're gonna do our live stream three days ago. Yeah, yeah, this is the best part of the podcast. This is what everybody loves. Is when we forget how yeah linear how time work. works. Yeah, <laughs> um, awesome, Michael. As always, great talking to you. And yeah. uh, I'll have seen you in a couple of days.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Have seen you then. It was talk good to, seeing you then.
0: I'll talk to you later.
1: What? <laughs> Bye. <laughs>